Hi everybody, you're listening to The Rope Podcast with Box and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you are not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. Rope bondage is a risky activity, and you shouldn't attempt it without first getting proper training. Listen to episode zero if you haven't already. Fox is a rigger, and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. This episode is made possible by our patrons who support us each month. If you would like to help, head to ropepodcast.com to see many options. This year, we want to focus on bringing the Rope Podcast to a wider audience. To achieve that, we would like to ask you to follow us on Instagram and reshare this episode in your Instagram stories. We are Rope Podcast on Instagram. Another thing that helps us is if you give us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. It's anonymous, so you won't have your name visible on the internet connected with a kinky podcast, don't worry. And now, going on with the show. Hey, dear listeners. This is the second half of our conversation with Mel. If you haven't heard the first half yet, it's the episode just before this one, and it's really worth it to go and listen to it first. In terms of different kinds of fibers and grades of rope and origins and so on, what are your personal preferences as a bottom or as a top? Personal preferences. So I predominantly use jute and jute is the, is the love of my life <laughs> and the thing that I know the most about. So, uh, and because I have a lot of knowledge about it, I feel the most comfortable using it. Within jute itself, I really enjoy the, actually, I really enjoy the ropes that they sell at Anatomy or Natural Jute. There is a kind of a hybrid between Agawa and Nawa rope, um, which I, uh, I really enjoy and it's what I've been tied with a lot, um, over the years. So it's very familiar to me. Personally, I really like tying with a Gawa rope, but particularly once I've gone through a, a kind of a heavy treatment process with it and I kind of tighten it up a little, that's, uh, that's definitely my preference. I think I'm a sentimental person and generally whenever, uh, like my first rope kit that I was using properly, like when I was tying more professionally and doing all this sort of stuff was an Agawa kit. And so, my sentimentality has meant that now I'm mildly obsessed with uh, using that and I see all the wonderful things about it and then being tied is with uh, with uh, with another type and that's something again that there's a sentimental value to it. And if we're storing rope, how do we or other differences in how we might store it versus if we're if we have rope and we use it all the time? Mm. Yeah, so there is so there's so there's long-term storage and then there's short-term storage so i would consider long long-term storage anything longer than a few days so if you're keeping your rope somewhere and it's there stack like sedentary for longer than a few days that that would be long storage um in my in my book so if you're storing it for a long period of time, generally I would say hanging, keeping it hanging, 
hanging over something with a relatively like thick diameter, like a pole or a bamboo, something like that. So it doesn't have a sharp curve or an angle to it. Like uh, sometimes, you know, we don't have access to that sort of stuff. So I've said to people, you know, hanging it over your door, but making sure that I don't know if you can buy one of those pool noodles or something. Mm -hmm. And if you cut the pool noodle to the, to the length of your, uh, the top of your door and slice it down the, down through the center lengthwise, you can stick it on top of your door and hang your ropes over it. So it doesn't have that sharp edge or getting the, uh, the hooks that you can put over the door and getting a small, like a, a pole and like putting it onto those. So then it's just removable as well. Like if you have family over or you need to hide them or something, you can move those away. So hanging is generally the one that I would say is the best. Um, keeping it somewhere that's cool or dry with a, I say open location, that more means that it just has air circulation. So just being out is good for it. It helps prevent moisture um, from setting into your ropes um, and keeping it out of direct sunlight. <laughs> so and would you say that's the same for jute and hemp and all the different types of rope or is that many for jute? What's the, this is mainly for jute. Like my specialty is with jute. It's the thing that I will, uh, that I have the most knowledge about. I, I guess I would say the same, essentially, I would say the same for hemp, where it's a natural fiber. So just to err on the side of caution, I would probably do the same thing. Um, but other ropes like synthetic ropes, so hemp X or uh, nylon, things like that, it's not really a, it's not really an issue. It's the joys of synthetic rope. But yeah, so cool, dry place with air circulation out of direct sunlight as a the uv rays will like erode and deteriorate your ropes um and you especially want to keep it out in circulation if it's been in a if you a live in a humid environment which oh, yes. we do oh yes yes <laughs> tropical i don't know if here. you can tell but with our ac off right now it's, for the noise we're very warm and, humid, yeah. and we've had a lot of a lot of problems with moisture and our ropes we have to use specific techniques like the absorbers the, uh, yeah moisture absorbers when we store them because otherwise they've had we've had mold on them and so it's not been good yeah, yeah that is that's a suggestion definitely that i uh uh, I usually will like make to people as well, but ugh, I can't, uh, my heart goes out to you for the humid environments. That's such an extra layer to, uh, to be looking after your, to looking off your kits. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really want to share our love of rope to as many listeners as possible. And for that, we need your help. Please go to Instagram and follow our account rope podcast. Then reshare this episode in your stories. Show your love of rope and help others discover it too. Yeah, so, I mean, if you live in a humid environment, that's definitely something that will, uh, that you're going to have to take into consideration. There's going to be some extra TLC that you'll be putting in. But um, exposing to air circulation is also really important. If you've been, like, tying with your ropes and they've been sweat on, like if you, they've been sweat on and then you rope spaghetti them back into your bag and then you leave them in that bag Nasty. for like 
a few days or two days and you go, oh, I'll deal with it tomorrow. And then you're really busy because you're tired and you're dropping. And then you go to it. Oh, I'll deal with it the next day. Oh, no, <laughs> not great. Uh, so that but was so a question we had from some of our listeners, which is how do you treat well with bodily fluids on them? Like, can you reuse them with other people? Are there ways to clean them? What do you what can one do? Depending on it's kind of depends on the rope that you're using um, with jute. There's not really much you can do um, in terms of that. Generally, it comes down to a people's personal risk profiles and what they're comfortable or not comfortable with. Um, but B is just having separate ropes for different people. Mm. You know, having a set of mouth and crotch rope for this person that you tie with and having a set of mouth and crotch rope for this other person that you tie with. And that's one workaround. However, you know, if you use synthetic ropes, those are things, those you can chuck into a washing machine and wash them. And again, using them after that is to do with your personal risk profile as well. But um, generally outside of it being a synthetic rope, like polyester or nylon, something like that, it's not really something that I think you can just, you can thoroughly clean, really. Any experience with trying to get blood out of rope? Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> My partner and I deal with this so often. <laughs> we really love a bit of blood play, and we've definitely sacrificed a fair few bits of rope for that. Um, for jute, the short answer is no. <laughs> Sorry. Just accept the nice memory and frame it in your living room. Exactly. Accept it. Love it. Who knows? You know, put it in some epoxy, turn it into something nice that holds i don't know turn it into a thing that holds all your little utensils that you use for blood play <laughs> okay that's a lovely Cute. idea actually uh, and, and more generally natural fiber don't love being washed or being wet right yeah they uh they're they're not ones for for being wet but i think the main issue with that sort of stuff is that in the drying side of it is a real bath it's it's a it's a lot of effort so with a lot of like dyeing your rope for example if you were going to color your ropes you obviously need to get it wet mm -hmm. in order to be able to do that which i have done before um but the drying side you have to make sure that you dry your ropes under intense tension and that will the drying side can take over a couple of days depending on the climate that you live in and as it dries, it will become loose and you have to go back and retighten and put all of that tension back into it yeah, okay. over and over again. So I'll do that like at least two or three, three times over a drying process over like a couple of days. And that can be quite laborious. <laughs> and Sounds like it. It's very laborious, very, very time consuming. And it's really hard, actually. It's just it's a real workout. <laughs> It's a real, real workout, especially depending on what you have access to that you can put lots of tension in. I was drying it in my garden and we have a small like wrought iron bench, which means the distance between the, the arms that I can get to on the bench aren't, isn't very far. Mm -hmm. um, it isn't very far at all. So 
trying to put the tension back in you're starting from point a and it kind of goes in a in like a zigzag back and forth yeah. between the two arms so you start from point a and you're trying to pull all this tension and keep it and pull it all the way through to the other side and then all the way through to the other side for this eight meter long piece of rope that you've wrapped around a 70 centimeter bench or something <laughs> <laughs> do you so, feel that uh, if jute or ham gets wet it might affect its uh, risk of breaking under load? I think one, depending on how, depending on how it's dried and then how it gets treated afterwards, I think might have an effect potentially, but I will say that tentatively, I will say rope snapping generally isn't a fast process. Like, I, I feel like when you, especially for like an upline, as an example, I think if a rope were to start breaking, we have three strands that are coiled around itself that all around themselves that all have tension in them. Mm -hmm. And over time as well, like those become uneven, um, especially if we're not looking after them. But even with that, over time they become uneven and uneven we're not there when rope is manufactured and stuff so sometimes it's just a piece of rope it's not to do with how you're handling it unfortunately and with those uneven tensions means that the load is uneven so it will be one strand that's breaking and then the other strand that's breaking and then another strand that's breaking so i think it's something that generally you'll if you're not seeing it I feel like it's something that a that a bottom may be able to also feel as well. Like you'll, it, it feels like a slower process than just a sudden snap. Um, but it is definitely something that I would probably, when they are getting wet and if you're not drying them properly and then treating them properly and kind of putting putting the oil or wax and stuff back into them um, afterwards, then I might keep it for the body. Mm. And maybe not for load. Mm. Um, so we wanted to ask you about your name. So Accidental Rigger, tell us about that. <laughs> the Accidental Rigger. So I mentioned before that I started off uh, as a bottom and still am. But when I started in on rope, I, yeah, I was definitely a bottom. I had no intention of tying ever. <laughs> Never true words have been spoken. It's not the first time we've heard that one, I'm sure, again. But, yeah, I was determined. I, I wasn't there to tie. I was a bottom. I wanted to be the, the sub in the power dynamic, and that was that. Um, and in my first year, I uh, had the pleasure of tying with, like, a lot of wonderful, like, wonderful friends and wonderful people. And as I was as I was bottoming and frankly, you know, honest moment was in a bit of a frenzy as well. Like was tying left, right and center was really like wanting to do that. Like every day, every week, every, every time I suddenly realized that I wanted to, I started taking more classes or paying more attention in workshops because I wanted to understand the terminology of the, the the things that are being tied on me so i wanted to know what this little thing on a tk was called and it's a kanuki and i wanted to know what different frictions were and and why 
we use them or why we would use this one instead of this one and what are the pros of this and the cons of this one because I wanted to be able to better communicate and feed back to the rigors that were tying me. Mm. Again, it comes back to my um, desperate need of service. <laughs> but I was, uh, I wanted to be able to feed back to them better and, and faster and more efficiently and more effectively instead of dangling upside down and kind of being like, oh, the my leg, not that leg, the other leg and over by my cough. It's just really sore. There's just a thing. I don't understand why that's, whereas over time, like over time and learning that sort of learning that information, it just allowed me to be upside down and go my right leg where you've put that Futomomo, you know that I asked you to do this thing so you could take the ankle out in case it got really tight. Um, my ankle's really tight. Can you remove that ankle loop, please? Done. And I wasn't asking for things that were impossible. or And I had more agency to be able to know, like, if this is a thing that I regularly suffer in, in rope, then this is a solution for it. And this is a solution I can offer to my rigger and be like, oh, you want to try this thing? Absolutely fine. May I tell you about this thing that could help with a problem that tends to happen for me when we're in this instead of all the onus being on them and yeah. the responsibility being on them. So it just meant that I did a lot of education. I took a lot of education. I took all the workshops. I did all the notes. I started tying the things that I was learning on friends as a, again, but as a, um, like as an education side of it, I wanted to understand, I felt like in order to look after and like serve the people that would tie me more, in order to do that, I needed to understand their experience. Mm -hmm. So it meant that I tied onto, on my friends more often and I was doing that more often, all just floor stuff. And then COVID happened and we were all locked inside. So my education side picked up even more. And then we suddenly had access online to like so much education that we never had access to before. You kind of relied on your direct vicinity and what was near, like nearby to you in order to learn. Mm -hmm. I had access to the studio as well, where I was working there and my, uh, now ex-girlfriend, but my girlfriend at the time, she had had a difficult time with rope. She was kind of new and she unfortunately suffered a, a, a nerve uh, a impingement very early on. So she was quite frightened um, of being back in rope, but really loved the idea of it. So one day, uh, they and I went to the went to the studio after I finished a shift um, and we were in our kind of bubble together. And yeah, I, um, I offered to tie them and we tied and it kind of accidentally went into a partial and then accidentally went into a suspension, bearing in mind it had been like a year and a half, two years of like learning and learning. And we had quite deep uh, communication with one another, but just kind of accidentally ended up doing like a small suspension and then bringing them down. And they had a wonderful experience and I was elated, but also 
completely terrified with myself. <laughs> 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 I had just done that. I was like, what have I done? Oh my God, this is amazing. But also, oh crap. Uh, and from that point onwards, I just was affectionately named the accidental rigor <laughs> and stuck ever since. And I've been a bit obsessed ever since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mel, for our listeners who would like to know more about you or see some of your stuff online, what's a good place to find you on the internet? So uh, the accidental rigor on Instagram is kind of the, the best place to see what's going on for me uh, and see any uh, developments that are happening there. I will be opening a, a website soon, but still kind of under wraps. But if you follow me on the on Instagram, then you'll be able to see when that goes live. Um, And I also offer a rope customization service and teaching and things like that. And that all gets advertised on my Instagram. Or you can also email me on theaccidentalrigor at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for speaking with us on the podcast today, Mel. Thank you so much as well. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying. <laughs>